Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and co-founder of ThinkNow. Today, one of our favorite recurring guests, Maria Tuina, Global Head of Consumer X at Ninth Wonder. Maria, you were recently on the show earlier this year, but please introduce yourself again for those who might have missed it. And uh, let us know what you do at Ninth Wonder. Oh, thank you, Mario. Nice to be here again. Um, so I am a bilingual, bicultural uh, marketing professional. Uh, spent uh, 20 years in general market advertising and 15 years ago, pivoted to the bilingual bicultural and have never looked back. I'm very focused on on that consumer cohort because I am a bilingual bicultural. And uh, what I do is I work at Ninth Wonder and I head up their uh, consumer X discipline. And the X stands for um, those consumers that hide in plain sight but can actually drive exponential revenue and fandom for a brand. And the Latinx with a big X, which um, we focus on, are the ones who do that, the bilingual, bicultural, the children of immigrants who have uh, played the role of Sherpa for their foreign-born parents uh, as, as children and throughout their whole lives. And uh, they hide in plain sight many times. So it, when it comes to the Hispanic market, that's the group we focus on. Yeah, and um, for those of you who've been following our work, we've done a lot of work with that consumer, um, unearthing the bidimensional toggle we spoke about last time, and we did a follow-up, and happy to announce we're going to have a webinar coming up this week um, where we're going to delve into building Latinx brand advocates through online purchasing insight. So wanted to tease some of that data before our webinar uh, that's coming up this week. Um, and so, Maria, do you want to talk a little bit about the hypothesis that you had coming into this research? Yeah. So we had um, our previous research, we had the hypothesis was really all about, um, we know that Latinos or Latinx consumers are collective by nature, um, regardless really if they're less acculturated or bilingual, bicultural, there's always that collectivism in their DNA where it's all about interdependence. And we felt that that behavior offline was reflected online. And the hypothesis was that that was the case. And we saw it come to life and validated, which we were so excited about. So this time we decided to dive a little deeper into that behavior to validate a couple of things, uh, that certain product and service categories and price points drive more collective purchasing behavior than others. So, you know, within that collective behavior online, what products or services or price points drive that collective behavior? And uh, also wanted to um, unearth the brand experience. If it's a positive one, does it drive advocacy? And what type of advocacy does it drive across the uh, Hispanic consumer cohort? So um, that was the uh, hypotheses that we were testing in this study. And I, I, I don't think, I, I think we might've gone into it a little bit in the previous podcast, we we have kind of two audiences that listen to our podcast, people that know, follow our work, are really into multicultural marketing, those that are maybe just, and then on the other side of the spectrum, we have those that are dabbling and that listen to kind of get a sense, what is multicultural marketing? Where do we start? For audiences that aren't as savvy, 
Can you just give a high-level overview of collectivism versus individualism? I really like how you frame that, um, and I think it will be helpful for the conversation. Oh, sure. Happy to. So um, when many marketers think of the Hispanic market, they make an assumption that uh, the Hispanic market is primarily Spanish language dominant and engaging with Spanish language media, which was true a couple of decades ago. But the reality today is that the majority of the market, 67%, is U.S. born. So what does that mean? Um I think we all make the assumption that, okay, if you can learn language in one lifetime, you can learn a culture or become part of a culture or assimilate to a culture in one lifetime as well. And that's just not the case. There's there's a spectrum in what we call acculturation where the immigrant comes to the U.S. with their culture, in the case of Hispanics and in case of many um, ethnicities, they come to the U.S. with their culture, which is informed by collectivism and Collectivism is really all about family and community over self, and it requires and teaches interdependence. Um, so that's where the, co the collective mindset is really rooted in that collective principle, if you will. The U.S. Um, ethos um, is driven by the Protestant work ethic and very much informed by self-reliance. And we value here in the U.S. independence much more than interdependence. Um, we actually have political parties that reflect those two value sets as well. So one is all about interdependence, the collective mindset, and the uh, self-reliant mindset is all about independence. They're none, are, none are right or wrong. They're just very distinct. And they're the two principles that define most cultures in the world. So in the U.S., when you have a Hispanic immigrant or any immigrant that comes from a collective mindset, um, they come completely um, informed by different principles and different thinking uh, than the American ethos. And different things matter to them. And the way you speak to them has to be different because you don't become American in one person's lifetime. You become American over multiple generations and I'm not talking about a citizenship. I'm talking about truly being American, having self-reliance and independence as part of your principal ethos, if you will. Um, so understanding those differences as you look at the Hispanic market, especially since the majority today are bilingual, bicultural, um, greatly informs best practices in terms of advertising or marketing to that community. That's great. And I think that's a great segue into looking at some of the greatest hits from an insights perspective of this upcoming webinar. Yes. So what are, what was anything surprising to you? Like, um, I know there was a couple of things that were maybe surprising to you in the last, um, research that we did. Was there anything surprising or, um, something that you didn't expect that came out of the research that we did this follow-up? Uh, you know, there were a couple of points that were, I thought were very interesting. Um, not sure if surprising, but the categories or the products and services that have greater collective behavior, I thought was interesting. Um, we saw in this research that technology 
food, grocery, and vitamins, minerals, et cetera, uh, medical services, entertainment, financial services, and appliance purchases are informed by more collective behavior. Um, and what was not surprising but validated something that I think we all always assume is that those product categories or service categories that require a more sophisticated lexicon because they utilize terminology that isn't colloquial, if you will, um, those are the ones where the English language first are the ones uh, driving those searches, which makes a lot of sense because they're they're helping their Spanish language dominant um, families and friends um, in terms of understanding what they need to purchase and engage with from that category. So from the different categories. So I thought that was uh, very interesting. Um, I was surprised at how much advocacy is driven from Hispanic consumers across the board online. We know, again, that, that they have a collective DNA, um, so they tend to engage with word of mouth and uh, sharing information with their collective or their sphere of influence is very important. But I was surprised to see how much it was across the board. Um, and surprised to see uh, some of the online preferred social networks. Uh, LinkedIn came out skewing more Spanish language first, which is a term we use for Spanish language dominant, and uh, more so they in, than English language first or English language dominant, which is really the bilingual bicultural, which really surprised me. And I don't know if that is a, a, um, a product of the fact that we're in a pandemic and maybe more Spanish dominant folks are online looking for work, but I thought that was really interesting. So yeah, a, a lot of interesting findings across the board. I, I want to dig into some of those, some of those industries, some of those verticals um, that over-index. I mean, let's look at technology, for example. What are some of the implications of those, of those findings? Like in terms of, um, and I think we talked about it a little bit in our last podcast, but what are some what are some changes in, in approach of marketing, marketing to Hispanics, marketing to, you know, Spanish language first or English language first that technology companies can take from this? Yeah, so a couple of things. I think technology companies um, need to understand that in many cases, the English language first or the bilingual bicultural is searching for their Spanish language first family member. And I think it's important to, with that understanding, um, know that the the primary consumer that's engaging with your brand online is doing so on behalf of someone else. And that, that person they're doing it in beha on behalf of, they are serving as the ambassador, if you will, for your brand to that individual. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think um, brands need to make sure that they can arm that English language first consumer that's online searching for their Spanish language first relatives with uh, content that is easily shareable so that the bilingual bicultural can just send via email or text information about the brand to their parents or relatives in language and in culture. I think that's really, really important. I also think that we know that a lot of 
researches happen collectively, that maybe the English language versus steering the mouse, if you will, but that others or, you know, other family members are part of this collective uh, search process. And so making sure that Spanish is available on the site, clearly visible on the site, a lexicon of terms that demystify the technical terms for that consumer in Spanish is on the site, um, chat available in Spanish, uh, toll-free operators in Spanish available to communicate with these individuals. You know, many times we just assume, well, you know, they'll use a translation app um, or something like that to uh, communicate with um in language so they can translate it. And we saw in our last research that a lot of English language first are actually verbally translating for their family members, which is very time consuming. And while a translation app may seem very easy, you know, brands should consider the fact that they they lose the brand voice, their brand voice in the process. A translation app isn't going to pick up the nuance of the brand or their voice. So, um, imperative for brands, especially those that utilize terms and nomenclature that aren't colloquial terms, that aren't very easy to discern. Those are the brands that really need to have a way of simplifying the terminology and explaining it and demystifying it, even visually, in a way that is much easier to um, both share with with Spanish language dominant consumers um, and 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 bring them closer to the brand, you know, demystified for them in a way that's that's not invasive and non-threatening, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And I think, well, I know that you encounter this and we encounter this from a research perspective, um, but, you know, many times you get pushback from brands like, well, you know, Latinx, they're already purchasing. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit more difficult. And I really liked how I, you you mentioned a case study about um, you know working with a company. I forgot the brand or the company name. Um, and and you mentioned some results. I know we can't oversimplify it, and every every company is going to be different. But what can a brand expect? I mean, what type of lift doing these small tweaks? I mean maybe talk a little bit about the purchasing power, the opportunity that that lies here in making websites more accessible to to this uh, English language first Latinx that has this outsized influence in their household. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, you know, we know it's a $2 trillion market. Um, we also know, um, as we talked at the beginning, you know, a lot of these consumers hide in plain sight, yet they're driving revenue for a brand. And and how we know that um, is because we know that, you know, from longitudinal um, research that children of immigrants, regardless of, of country of origin, but they tend to... Um, if, if their parents are coming from a country where English isn't the primary language, they end up having to play that role of Sherpa for their parents. So at a very early age, they're informing and demystifying and um, translating the language and interpreting the U.S. ethos for their parents. And we know that as they mature, their sphere of influence becomes culturally agnostic and they're informing both their American friends that may not be Hispanic and their Hispanic friends and family as well. So brands need to be aware of this because, you know, there's a better ROI and, and a better ROAS if they are targeting this consumer in a culturally and linguistically relevant way and really connect 
connecting with that consumer because the message from the brand doesn't stop at that consumer. It's shared with their sphere of influence. They're five times more likely to share than the non-Hispanic consumer. So what does that mean to a brand? You know, the investment they make in this consumer um, if you think about the impact, if it's if it resonates with this consumer, um, how the the investment return is much greater because they're sharing it and co-branding your brand with their sphere of influence. So it's it's very important that brands understand that even though they may have an e-commerce transaction um, at the back end of their website uh, that happened on an English page, uh, many times this is a consumer that has had to navigate for their friends and family. And you mentioned the bi-directional toggle at the beginning of the um, of the podcast many times, and I've worked with brands where this has happened, they spend a lot of money in Spanish language advertising, thinking that it, it failed because they didn't see a lift in their Spanish language sales or e-commerce site. And what really was happening is that that bilingual, bicultural English language first was the individual doing the navigating on their parents' behalf. And if you place some tags on those web pages and follow that consumer's journey, you'll see that many times it starts, the search starts in English because the English language first begins the search. The content consumption happens in Spanish because they're finding the Spanish content for their families to consume. And then the e-commerce transaction happens in English again because they take the credit cards from their parents and actually execute the purchase. So the, all the brand knows is that there was an e-commerce transaction in English. But if you have the data, you can follow the journey and understand that that wasn't your typical American consumer purchasing on the back end. That was someone who behaves as a Sherpa, is highly influential, and was navigating for their Spanish language relatives and ultimately got to the transaction. No, and you bring up some great points because I think we tend to forget that the sphere of influence is not just Hispanic friends and family. Right. It's it's, it's non-Hispanic, right? It's right. Um, and, and and you you mentioned about the sharing. We did another study about diversity of friends on social media sites. And and Latinx are much more likely to have friends across all the major ethnicities that are represented in the U.S. African American, Asian, white. Um, so so you're getting a a lo- you know a large ROI and from that perspective as well. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and that also surprises many brands. And it's really because uh, because this consumer belongs to multiple cultures and to multiple languages and to multiple worlds, if you will. They're much more open to um, accepting individuals of other languages and cultures, and they can relate to them. Right. So there's a, yeah. a mutual validation that happens there, if you will. And we have the high, I, the Latinx population in the U.S. has the highest rate of interracial marriage, um, which I think is another yes stat that points to that as well. Yes, absolutely. It's a very valid data point. Absolutely. So, um, keeping that in mind, all brands should keep that in mind when they when they think of any multicultural marketing. Uh, don't assume it's all binary. It's all black and white because it is not. There's a lot of gray in the consumer cohort categories, um, especially with these cross cultural individuals that live in two worlds. And there's a better way to reach them. So believe it or not, we're we're almost hitting up against our time here, but I want to give you kind of these last moments to to give one more 
one more snippet, one more insight into what we're going to be presenting in the webinar? Yeah, so we're, you know, we're going to be presenting some interesting findings in terms of what is being searched for in terms of products and services, who's searching for it. Is it an English language first or a Spanish language first, Hispanic or Latinx? At what price points? Are they searching? Because if you're a brand and you have online and you have price points that fall within uh, less than $50 to $500, you may want to consider um, having a Spanish language site or Spanish language instructional video or some assets available to these consumers because that's where they're spending the bulk of their e-commerce dollars or searching for for products online. And um you need to, we're going to do a, a pretty interesting dive into what social networks they're on, not just the Hispanic market in general, but across acculturation level. So if you're a brand that you know you have an English language first cohort that's loyal to you or a Spanish language first, what what brand, what, what social networks should you uh, be a member of and should be, you be developing content for in language and in culture for this consumer cohort? Awesome. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Maria, for joining us. For those interested in learning more, please join us in our webinar titled Building Latinx Brand Advocates Through Online Purchasing Insights. Unlock the insights to cultivate Hispanic brand fandom. It's taking place this Thursday, October 15th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, to find the link, you can go to ninthwonder.com. That's the number nine, T-H-W-O-N-D-E-R.com. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Final thank you to our producer, Lucas Martinez, who created our intro music and makes our podcast sound great. To email him, reach out to martinez.lucas.a at gmail.com.